my privilege. Well, it is good to be here once again. So thank you for welcoming us back. Thank you for clearing the road so we can make it this morning. Let's just ask the Lord's blessing upon us as we look to the word. Father, I pray this day that as you guide us and direct us, that you might help us to have open hearts, open minds, open ears, to not only hear, but to be able to digest all that you will be speaking to us. Father, just guide us in this discussion. We pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles with us or with you, I'd encourage you to open to 2 Peter chapter 3. That's where we're going to be sharing this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, if you have trouble finding it, just go to the book of Revelation and turn backwards just a few pages. 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13 here in a few moments. And it's on the screen there behind you. During the past few months, I've had some changes in my life that have affected me. Uh, two of the men that were most effective in me being in ministry passed away. Uh, one of them uh, was in October of last year, Reverend Doug Miller. Uh, Doug was actually my first pastor when I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he discipled me and helped me in my growth process. Uh, he was 88 years old when he died in October. He was still involved in the Morgantown Alliance Church. He'd been a missionary. He'd been all kinds of things. But he was still working with the Chinese church there in Morgantown, and he just wasn't really ready to give up, but the Lord called him home. And just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the man who mentored me in my early days at the Alliance, uh, Jack Bowman, uh, passed away playing basketball on a Sunday evening. Uh, he'd been out preaching. He uh, he has an itinerant ministry, had an itinerant ministry there in the Buckhannon, West Virginia area, uh, where Methodist uh, churches I didn't have pastors, and even though he's an Alliance pastor, he traveled and uh, spoke. And that morning, he spoke at two churches, uh, had dinner, took a nap, and then went out to play basketball with uh, several friends. There were about 35 of them, uh, many of them unsaved. And during the basketball game, he had a massive coronary and uh, passed away. Uh, you know, when things like this happen to me, I'm not sure about you, but when things like this happen to me, they, they cause me to reflect. And at this point in my life, having retired now from active ministry, um, as I thought about that uh, through the holidays when Doug had passed and now with Jack passing, uh, the question comes to my mind, Lord, what, what does all this mean for me? What do you want me to take away from these events? Because they indeed are important events. And then coupled with what's going on around the world, um, you know, Ukraine, the hopes just got home and others, and you may know the host, Mike and Joanne, and, and things that are happening around the world and uh, reading the Bible prophecies and understanding what the scriptures say is going to be happening toward the end times, we, we start to ask questions, and I think they're good questions. And so the question, again, uh, is what do you want me to draw from this, Lord? How do you want me at this point in my life to uh, to impact? And so the other night, to be honest with you, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and told me um, very specifically, like he does once in a while in my life, he basically said what I've already known, uh, preach the word of God is hope. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive, and he is our hope. And I don't think in the world today, Christians really are hanging on to that like we should because there's so much negativity all around us, and we, we focus much on the negativity, the downsizing of the church, the uptick in COVID again, and just on and on it goes. Uh, Dover Alliance, in, in the past 16 months, we've lost 16 members to death, many of those to COVID. And, and you just ask questions, you know, what's going on? And yet we are reminded, according to the word of God, that God is still in control. Do you believe that this morning? 
Yeah, we do. So where do we fit in on this? Well, having said all that, Peter, I think, addresses that in this passage of Scripture. It's on the screen uh, there uh, behind me, chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. And I'd like to read it for us, chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. I've got the wrong passage, don't I? No, that's it. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And what kind of people ought you to be? And then he goes on from there. That's an important statement. What kind of people ought we to be? And that's the title of the message this morning. What kind of people should we be? Now, Chuck Swindoll, and I love Chuck Swindoll, and I love Chuck Swindoll's sense of humor. And uh, He had this to say on this passage of Scripture, only as Chuck Swindoll could say it, I think. He says, this scary stuff. <laughs> I like the way he says that. I don't normally call Bible prophecy scary stuff, but he's being realistic. It is scary stuff. The scary stuff about the heavens passing away and the astronomical destruction and the twice-mentioned intense heat that will result in a total wipeout of planet Earth, it makes me wonder how. How's that all going to happen? Always has, he says. I've heard that same thing over and over again uh, from superatomic warheads and nuclear missiles in World War III, but somehow that never explained how the heavens will pass away or how the surrounding atmosphere could be destroyed by burning. And then he goes on to say, uh, an event that took place back in 1979 on March 9th uh, really helped him to understand. He said in in that event, uh, an outburst in outer space took place, and it was captured on nine different satellites that were there. And it was a blast, and it lasted only about a tenth of a second But the blast that took place was about 300,000 times as bright as our sun in that moment. And he said if that would have happened on our sun or in our sun, a planet, it would have destroyed the earth. It would have wiped us completely out of existence. So he began to understand that even though we cannot explain everything that is going on around us, we can believe it. That thing did happen, and it has been recorded in history. So he says... If the Bible says it, we can believe it because it is true. Well, believing that these things were real, Peter asked the question, what kind of people should we be? In other words, if we really believe that the Lord Jesus Christ could break through the clouds right now and take us all off of the planet Earth in what we call the rapture, if we believe that's true, what kind of people should we be? How should we be living our lives? Well, in verse 10, he says we should live prepared lives as if it's really going to happen. Now, what does that mean? Well, to put it very simply, it means that we should try to live godly lives and and good lives every moment of every day. Uh, we, we don't want to be doing anything that we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't really want to be sinning when the Lord comes back through the clouds, should we? Well, no, I don't want to be doing that. Now, the Lord would forgive me for sure, but that's not the kind of thing that we want to do. We want to be trying to live as the Lord would have us to live, and that's what Peter is saying there. But before focusing on that, look back to verse 1 of chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them to remind us, to remind us to live wholesome lives, to participate in wholesome thinking. So Peter's written two letters, and this is what he wants us to understand. We can live in this world living wholesome lives as we reflect on the word of God. Dear friends, I've written reminders to you. Now, in today's world, how hard is it to 
focus on Scripture. I think I've mentioned to you before when I've been here, I'm trying to memorize Scripture as I get older. Uh, it's more difficult now than it used to be, but uh, it is helpful. One of the passages I'm working on uh, says that His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And I think that's a tremendous passage of Scripture. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He goes on from there and talks a lot about that. But, you know, when we stop and memorize Scripture and spend time in Scripture, and that takes up a a bulk of our time, we're going to be better prepared to live our lives, as Peter says that we should, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ. Now, Peter says Christ's return is imminent. What does that mean? simply means it could happen at any moment. There is nothing prophetically uh, that needs to be performed yet uh, before Christ can return. Uh, a lot of things have happened, and, and I'm going to refer to a few of them here in just a moment, um, because not all of us are familiar with Bible prophecy, and not all of us are familiar with terms like the day of the Lord or the Lord's return or uh, the rapture and those kinds of things. So I just want to refresh our memory uh, with sharing a couple of passages of Scripture. Well, more than a couple, but just a few. In the Old Testament passage of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5, we read this. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and fearful day of the Lord. And there's the term day of the Lord. It's referring to the end times. It's referring to what we call the end of this age. Uh, what Malachi was saying is something that had already occurred in our day and age. Jesus says that Elijah has already come. It was John the Baptist. He fulfilled this particular prophecy. So we know that when prophecy is spoken, God's intent is to fulfill it. But then we go on in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him in the last day. And there's another reference to the last day, Romans 2, 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you are storing up excuse me, wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. And there's another term day of god's wrath and it goes on we get the idea that we are not going to be able to escape this thing called the lord's day the end of the age it is coming and whether we reflect a lot upon it or not does not change the fact that it is indeed going to happen i think it's sometimes difficult to focus on this because we don't think about it much you know when i was growing up as a young christian back in the 1970s uh, bible prophecy was spoken about a lot we went through that time and the rapture and uh, we had prophetic speakers come into the church and they were talking about this all the time. That's not so much the case any longer. And so sometimes because we're not referring to these events as much as we once did, they begin to slide back in, in our thinking. And, uh, you know, like Chuck Swindoll said, do I really think about this as a possibility? Well, you know, is God really going to come back today? Well, he could, but do we think you know, he really is? I mean, it's been something like 2,000 years since we first heard of these prophecies and nothing has happened. Why is God delaying so long? Uh, maybe God was mistaken when he prophesied this. Do you think so? No, I don't think so either. But I think we begin to be a little less sensitive when it's further and further away from us. And so the historic events that we see happening now, we may say they, they have some bearing on our life today, but not so much. But yet I watch what's happening in Ukraine right now, and I know that Russia could attack at any moment over there. And we read all the biblical prophecies about Middle Europe and, and the Middle East and how all these things could come about. And, 
and all of the horrible stuff that's going on. If you watch a television series, I was watching a show last night that I thought would be a good show, and all of a sudden there was very disgusting stuff uh, showing there that otherwise, you know, maybe 10 years ago, they would have never thought of saying the things and showing the things, violence and everything, we haven't told. So we need to be very careful. We become desensitized to the righteousness that God says is going to be ours again when he does return. But we need to focus on that. We need to take steps. The earth will be changed. The earth will be changed. Heavens will be changed, Peter says. The earth will be burned up. Well, how's the earth going to be burned up? Well, that illustration from Chuck Swindoll indicates it could happen very quickly. Now, I don't believe it's going to happen like that exactly uh, because the new heavens and the new earth, if we study biblically, are going to take place right here on earth. So uh, the earth, as we now know, it will be totally changed, burned up in some sense, uh, but it will be totally changed, and it will be a better place, as we'll see in a few moments. But whether Christian, non-Christian, whether believer or non-believer, or whether you think the Bible is just another wonderful story, or whether you think it's very real, it doesn't really change the second law of thermodynamics in science. The second law of thermodynamics just basically stated everything is winding down. Everything in the world, in the universe, is running out of energy. And at one point, it's going to be done. That's the second law of thermodynamics. So if we look back historically to what's been going on on planet Earth, we'll know that planet Earth today is not the way it was even 50 years ago. The greenhouse effect that a lot of people are following and so on and so forth. Everything is changing. And Peter says that's the way it's going to be at the end. It will change and it will change very rapidly. So what kind of people ought we to be? What do you think? What kind of people ought we to be? Well, Peter says we should be holy people. Now, when I really think about this, I ask myself this question. And, I, and it's a legitimate question. I don't mean this uh, in a flippant way at all. But is the church really the holy church that we think God wants it to be? And I'm talking about this church. I'm talking about Dover Alliance Church. I'm talking about the church around the world, the church of Jesus Christ. Is the church really the righteous church that we think it should be? Is the church the righteous, holy church that Peter's talking about here? Well, if it is, then we're in pretty good shape. Well, let's break it down a little further. The church is really us, isn't it? It's us as human beings. So are we the kind of people that we should be? Well, this past uh, January, very early in January, God gave me another vision of myself and he really changed my spiritual life radically. I'm not going to go into all that, uh, but after preaching for a lot of years and teaching for a lot of years and having a close walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, he moved me even closer to himself through a series of uh, just events, reading the scriptures, memorizing scriptures, and what he was speaking to me. And I began to think, you know, why did that not happen at the beginning of my ministry? You know, 35 years ago, if God would have done these things for me, would my ministry have changed? I think those are fair questions to ask ourselves as we move on in our spiritual lives. And I really think that's what Peter is wanting us to understand. What kind of people should we be right now? Not when the Lord comes through the clouds. Not when the rapture takes place. Not when the new heaven and the new earth come. That's part of the question. But what kind of people should we be now? And so the question began to uh, come to me. When non-Christians or people that really have questions about Christianity see me, are they going to see a picture of Christ? Or are they going to see just another person? And even if I proclaim myself to be a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ, 
do I really show people what it is to live as a holy Christian person? And I had to ask myself that in a very serious way. And certainly the conclusion I came to was I've got room to grow. I've got room to grow. You know, one of the things I pick on, and you've heard me, you that have been here before, have heard me say speeding is one of the things I pick on because, you know, everybody thinks speeding is no big deal. Uh, well, it's not a big deal unless you get caught or have an accident or something, right? Because it seems like everybody, even Christians, speed and don't think much about it. But to me, it is a big deal because it's just one more of those things where God tells us what to do and we decide whether we're going to do it or not. And so God gives us a guideline and he asks us to follow, to obey, to obey all authorities over us unless that authority is trying to take us away from Christ. He asks us to obey all authorities over us and by doing this, we are glorifying Christ because Christ has put all authority in place. Even the heathen, ungodly authority, God has put in place for some purpose. And unless they are asking us to kill people, to uh, abort babies, or forcing us to do things that are truly unbiblical, we have a responsibility to obey those in authority over us. And so little things like this don't seem so little anymore. And Peter is saying, in light of all of this that I've been teaching you, two letters now, in light of all of this, what kind of people should you be? Well, he goes on to say holy people, and he gives motivation for that in verse 11. What's our motivation? Well, the sky will pass away. As we know it, the sky will pass away. You know, if you were at ground zero in 9-11, 2001, which I was not, but you know, saw pictures of it, New York City skyline changed. I remember watching it that morning, and it was beautiful. There wasn't a cloud in the sky before those planes hit the towers. And then when the towers fell, there was this eerie, dark cloud that just overshadowed everything in Manhattan and most of New York City. And it lasted for days. It lasted for days. Everything is going to change. Everything. And it's going to be an instantaneous change. The sky will change. The earth will be burned up. Now, what do we think that means? Well, to be honest, we don't know for sure. Is it literally going to be by fire? And by that, some of us came up with the idea of Third World War atomic uh, bombs and all kinds, uh, uncontrolled, <coughs> excuse me, wildfires. We know that, that happened in Australia a few years ago. It's happening in our country, various places on the West Coast now. Uh, you know, any number of those things could be involved, but it's going to be changed. So what would happen if all of a sudden this were to occur and Millersburg were to be wiped off the face of the earth? What would happen to you if you survived? Well, we don't know, do we? But one thing we should get in the back of our minds is if God spares us, we can go on because there's something better coming. So hold that thought for a moment. The people will be judged. I really don't know that we as Christians or certainly the unsaved world understand what the judgment of God is going to be like. As we know from Scripture, there are a couple of judgments mentioned. Uh, there's the judgment, the Bema Seat judgment, which is uh, involving all Christians. Every one of us will stand before Jesus Christ someday and give a full account of our lives. Now, I'm not sure if you've thought much about that. I, I used to give a lot of thought to it, much more than I do now. And I'll tell you why in a moment. But there's nothing I will ever think, do, or say that Jesus Christ is not aware of. And that someday he is going to hold me accountable for all of that. And that's the Bema Seat judgment. Now, why don't I worry as much about it anymore, the Bema Seat Judgment? Because I realize that God already knows all that. Uh, right now, the way I live and breathe, the Holy Spirit is in me, and there's nothing I think, do, or say right now that Jesus Christ is not aware of. 
So the judgment uh, that comes, he's going to be aware of. It's not the judgment that's going to send us to hell. That's not for the Christians. That's the great white throne at the end of the age. And for all those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be judged and they will be eternally sent to hell. So there are the two judgments. But one thing we know from what the Bible says, every human being will stand before a judgment before God. That's a powerful thought. But it's not necessarily a negative one. Peter is helping us to understand if we know disaster is coming, we should prepare for disaster. Now, many of you, like me, uh, were raised during the time of the threat of Russia invading us and uh, sending atomic bombs and stuff. And so many people built bomb shelters and they stocked the bomb shelters with water and food and all this kind of stuff. And some people, survivalists, are still doing things like that today, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. I don't think that's the kind of preparation uh, Peter is telling us about. He's talking to us about preparing our hearts and those around us. Uh, we had a missionary young lady uh, stay with us last night, one of our international workers. Uh, she's from Creative Access Country, and we had a chance to chat with her about what's going on in her life and what, what's happening overseas where she serves. And It's just a wonderful thing to see in some places the gospel is, is open to be shared, uh, and in some places where she's been, that's not the case. That's why we call them Creative Access because they can't go in as missionaries and share the gospel because it's illegal. It's called proselytizing. But what we can do is live our life, which is what she's doing now, living our, her life in such a way. A couple of weeks ago, we had another couple uh, with us, uh, and they shared the same kind of story. He's actually in agricultural work now overseas. Uh, and with his agricultural work, he has the opportunity to share with some Islamic people uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the picture I see that Peter's wanting to get across to us. What kind of people should we be right now? With these facts in mind, what kind of people should we be? We should be the kind of people that draw unsafe people toward us, not so that they can be friends with us, but so that we can introduce them to Christ. And that's not necessarily by standing on a street corner and proclaiming Christ that way. It's not a bad way to do it if that's what God lays on your heart to do. But I think it's through friendships, uh, through developing interactions, and giving the opportunity to watch to watch us live our lives for Christ. To boldly proclaim, not that we are Christians, not that we go to church every Sunday, but we are disciples of Jesus Christ. I think that's the distinctive we need to make. Uh, because many people say that they're godly. Many people say that they're spiritual. that do not have an understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. So for us who are legitimately Christians, we need to make sure that they understand that that means that we are a disciple of the person of Jesus Christ. What kind of people should we be? We should be people who are willing to proclaim that we are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that could get us in trouble in some places, we know. Uh, in America right now, it's not too much of an issue, but it is for some. Uh, there have been some communities in this country over the last 20 years or so uh, that have been told they cannot even have home Bible studies in their complex because of the rules of that particular committee. They can't uh, have too many cars parked outside their house, thus trying to avoid Bible studies. And things that that's happening in America right now. It's not getting the news uh, coverage too much, unless you read something like World Magazine or one of the Christian periodicals. But it's happening now. So the day is coming where America is probably not going to look like America anymore. And certainly, the administration that's in place right now is not following the Lord. Uh, I think that I'm safe in saying that. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce Mr. Biden whether he's saved or unsaved. That's for the Lord to decide. But the directions that we're heading certainly are not proclaiming Christ. Abortion, once again. Uh, we've had some wonderful things uh, pass the laws and 
moving toward the Supreme Court that seemed to hold out promise, but as I read in one article in World Magazine yesterday, that doesn't really change anything. All that does is give the states the decision whether abortion is legal or not, but it doesn't change the fact that a baby, the moment it is conceived, is a human being. And that's really what the abortion issue is all about. So we still have some battles right here in America concerning Jesus Christ and what he says about human life. The whole racial problem, you know, it's a, it's a tough issue. It's a tough issue. And it goes on and on and on. How do we resolve these issues? Not by political mandates. That's never going to solve the issue. It never has. Just go back and read your history books. What will change is revival. Lord Jesus Christ changing a nation for himself. It's what happened with Israel. It's what happened with America on a couple of occasions in the past. Could again. It's what's happened in many nations around the world. When Jesus Christ becomes the most important thing for a nation, then a nation can change. Short of that, it takes the church being revived and the church being involved in community and helping the church to realize that if you follow Jesus Christ, there are benefits involved that nothing else will provide. Peter says, what kind of people should we be? We should be a holy people. The exhortation, you ought to live holy and godly lives. There's a better day coming. And this is the good part of the message. I always like the good part of the message. We'll close. There's a new day coming, a new heaven and a new earth. You're coming down out of heaven, Scripture says. What's going to happen? Well, no more greenhouse effects. Uh, no more worrying about the sun burning out or any of that. Uh, it's just going to be a new place. It's going to be uh, filled full of perfect inhabitants. What would happen, do you think, in your family if every one of your family members got along perfectly forever? Maybe that's the case for your family right now, but for most families, not so much. But in this place, that's going to be true. No arguments ever again. No doubting the Lord Jesus Christ ever again. Sickness, not going to be there. Nothing. I just had a spinal cord stimulator implanted about three weeks ago. It's a bizarre thing. Uh, we won't need any of those things. Glasses, probably not. You know, Pacemakers, don't think so. Our hearts are going to be good. Emotional battles, no, we're not going to be upset over anything. Peer pressure, well, we don't know anything about that, do we? Well, we won't need to anymore. No doubts. No doubts. And Chuck's one all doubted how this would ever happen. How How's God going to do this? Well, there won't be any doubts there. No problems, no backbiting, no nitpicking, none of that. Can you even comprehend that? I read it and I believe it, but I can't really get my mind around it because we deal with all these things every day of our lives. All of the things that cause us problems will be absent from the new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be a better way. It's going to be a better way. It's going to be the way God started it in the beginning. Do you remember Eden and a guy named Adam and his wife named Eve before the fall? Do you remember reading the stories of what that place looked like? God walking in the midst. It was just beautiful. And it's going to be like that again. A better way in verse 14. Righteousness will be what reigns. Righteousness. Future promise. If you ever want to read more in detail about this, Andy, uh, Randy Alcorn wrote a book several years ago just entitled Heaven. And he did a lot of speculating from the scripture of what heaven might look like. <coughs> if you want to read uh, more details, that'd be fun. fun read for you. 
uh, pets, and he, he addresses all those kinds of things, what's going to be there. But one thing that's never there is disappointment. No disappointment. Peacefulness will be the new order. Peacefulness. What kind of people ought you to be? You know, Jesus gathered around him 12 disciples, and they didn't always get along with each other, even in the midst of the perfect Son of God, did they, here on earth? No, they didn't. But when we get to the new heaven and the new earth, the human nature is not going to be a part of that anymore. It's going to be the divine nature. It's going to be the divine bodies, the new bodies. Nothing to distract us. Can you imagine just thinking, well, God, what might this look like? And being able to say, and I don't know if this is going to be possible or not, but it's at least possible because he's there. Just being able to say, God, you know, what about this? And he would answer. Or being able to walk up to the Apostle Paul and say, I don't understand what you did here. Can you tell me about it? And for the next hundred years, you could dialogue about it. And it'd be like a, a night. Those kinds of things are hard for us to comprehend now because we're still in the human body, the human nature. But there is that supernatural day coming. Don Francisco. I like Don Francisco. He doesn't have probably the best voice, some people say. Uh, his music was more like a country and western folksy type of music, Christian writer. But in 1982, uh, he wrote a song. And I just want to focus for a moment on this one stanza, stanza of his song because I think it fits what Peter is saying here. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are opened wide. That's so true. That is so true. I wish I could sing. I'd sing it for you, but we're not going to do that. But that idea, and the reason I like Don Francisco is uh, because he wrote all of his own, I shouldn't say all, he wrote most of his own songs. So these are words that were important to him. He's alive, he's alive. Earlier in January, as I told you, the Lord was speaking to me, and that's really what he wants me to convey to people. Every place I go and whatever I say, Bible studies, Sunday school, preaching, there's this hope in a hopeless world or a seemingly hopeless world. And this hope is Jesus Christ. For those of us who follow Jesus Christ, there is nothing to be upset about at all unless we sin. And if we sin, we can confess and repent of our sin. And he has already paid the price for it. There is absolutely nothing going on in this world today that should draw our attention away from Jesus Christ. And yet we know it does, right? And so it takes effort on our part to remind ourselves, he's alive, he's alive. Heaven's gates are opened wide, he's alive. And I'm forgiven. That's hope, folks. In the midst of everything that you might be going through, there is hope. Doug Miller's in heaven, I hope to see him again. Jack Bowman's in heaven, and I hope to see him again. In fact, I know I'll see him again because that's what the scripture says. What the dialogue's going to be like, it doesn't tell us. But there's going to be a sweetness to the family there that is incomparable to anything we experience here. I like family reunions, family gatherings. They're a lot of fun usually. But the one we're going to experience when we're done with this life and go to the next incomparable. One of my friends at Dover came down with COVID a few months ago. He was so severe that when they got him to the hospital in Dover, they put a um, 
ventilator. They put a ventilator in him. He quickly jerked it out. And they put another one in him and life flight into Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland. And after he started recovering, the doctor who took him in at Cleveland Clinic off of the helicopter told him, he said, you know, I did not even think I'd get the paperwork done before you died. Well, he didn't die. And the Lord is bringing him back. He's now at home. He was just released to drive yesterday after many, many weeks. Much of what happened to him in Cleveland Clinic he has no recollection of because he was sedated. But for whatever reason, God has allowed him to live. And Scott is a changed man. He is absolutely a changed man. And he wants to tell everyone what he experienced and the miracle that only Jesus Christ performed in his life. He gives the doctors credit. There's no doubt about what they were able to do. But he knows it's Jesus Christ that brought him back. Folks, are we living our lives like this? I mean, really, ask ask yourself that question. Are we living our lives like this? Well, I really hope that we are. But if we're not, let's just pray for a moment. We're going to partake in communion here in just a few moments. But before that, we're going to sing a beautiful song, White as Snow. But let's just pray and ask God, not for our kids or grandkids or for our spouses, but for ourselves. God, what do you want me to take away from this message today? What do you want me to do with this idea of the fact that you are returning again? How can I communicate that effectively to my family, to my friends? What specifically do you want me to do with this? And then when we come to communion, we'll be able to seal that. Let's pray. Father, in these moments that we have together now, very precious moments. I would pray that you open our hearts and open our minds to the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Quicken us so that we will not only hear in the song that we're about to sing and in the communion that we're about to partake of, then we'll be willing to respond and act. We just ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.